Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. All right, we had some interesting follow-up to the last episode, episode 123, titled Problematic Praise Music, which was an investigation of a couple of different praise songs. I posted it in the Untangling Christianity private Facebook group, and we had some good discussion. We got some feedback from uh, one member who was pretty much, I think, disagreed with our critique, mm. um, which is always fine. Uh, uh, although I did, I was particularly encouraged because they noted that at their, that they had, how should I say this? Based on, I guess, their role in a particular setting, they had come across a setting similar to the one that I described about participating or not participating in worship and um, and being sensitive to it because of the way that I had raised it. That made me feel really good that like, okay, well, maybe maybe some good is coming as a result of us talking about these things and me sharing them and, and all that. So, yeah. But some other good potentially has happened here as well. So... <laughs> This morning, Greg, Greg, I just logged into Skype and there was Greg and he had posted this huge long thing and he's like, what do you think? And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was, it was actually, a, what did, how did you describe it? Well, it's, I mean, we, you know, last uh, episode number 123 was looking at praise music and me making some of my, offering some of my critiques of, of, uh, a lot of the praise music that I hear in churches. And we looked at, I think, two songs. We looked at one which was pretty short and pretty, you know, I don't think it could be described at all as a classic. I don't even remember what it was called, Obey or something like that, or I Will Obey or... Remember that little short one? Yeah, I don't remember the, I don't remember his name either. Okay. And the other one we looked at was um, How Great Is Our God, which I think is many people would regard as a classic or as if not a classic, then a kind of, uh, very well known. Yeah. 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 A, a real standby, you know, for, uh, Christian music, current music. And so, yeah, I think in the context, it's been, it's been interesting to, to, uh, read through, uh, Lynette's, uh, uh, response to podcast number 123 and, you know, I think the most frustrating thing that can possibly happen is that, that Facebook is just not good. I think Lynette did a great job at laying out her thoughts, and it's really clear. But as I tried to respond to Lynette, I realized, oh, my gosh, this is enormous, and I don't have any italics I can use, and all, you know, all that formatting stuff that just makes things clearer. So I've kind of let that go. Um, not to say, Lynette, that I'm not interested in responding. I just can don't think I can do it over Facebook. I'm going to have to create a blog post, I think, and then link it in the Facebook uh, group with a little bit of context. So after I sort of backed off on trying to, you know, get this concise enough for a Facebook post, I thought, well, how would I write this song? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I loved about it because <laughs> really? I, no, I loved it because one of, one of my concerns about our podcast is or it's always kind of in the back of my head to a certain extent is I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to be known for those two guys that just pick at the problems and highlight mm. the problems 
I would like to get to a point where we're actually bringing some solutions, some other ideas, some better mm-hmm. approaches. And mm-hmm. this is this is probably an, a topic for another podcast. But I, I personally, right now, I'm in a place of feeling... Sometimes I feel like kind of a poser on this podcast. We were talking about this yesterday. In other words, I'm, I haven't, you know, com- I haven't rejected or thrown away Christianity, but I'd also say I'm not like totally in the mainstream of it either. I mm. kind of don't know what to do with it on some days. And yeah. there are a lot of days, at least recently, where I'm doing absolutely nothing with it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I talk to you about it for this and maybe I'll read something most often not. I'm not. And so sometimes I have this feeling or this sense of, well, John, it's really nice of you to be so critical and easy, or not nice. It's easy to be really critical of this stuff. But if you're not bringing anything better, are you really contributing to the disc? Are you really moving this topic forward? Or is this just a place to complain about stuff you don't like? So Hmm. what I really liked about what you posted to me, and I think we should include this in the notes for this episode, is you brought a solution you proposed a solution and you said okay you took the song and you rewrote it like you added well it's not that you rewrote it if anything you added about 95 percent more substance to it (laughs) well i'm glad you think that i mean i and it's not cheesy like that's what i thought was that's what i thought was really good about it so can i read some of it yeah okay so you start off so it starts off creator father king you sought that everything through Abraham being blessed, a response to faithfulness. And we talked a lot about Abraham and yeah, many episodes ago in the, was it the covenant and the bigger picture of mm-hmm. Christianity, not just being Jesus came to die for sins, but it's much bigger than that. The kingdom of God, all that. Then right. you go on to say, so you called a single race and asked them to embrace a law to set apart, to circumcise their heart. How true is your claim? that your love for each is the same and all things in your holy name you will reclaim. I'm just going to read the rest of it. (laughs) Okay. Is that all right? Yeah, you go ahead. Yet Israel grew proud, law and love disavowed, though were I in their place, I too would know disgrace. Righteousness and word and deed, you saw your people's need and on their part complied with law and love and died. How great is your love, and how great is your love, I think is part of the original song. That God and man, Christ came from above, covenant fulfilled, renewed, to Gentiles include. Love and truth entwine, your goodness lights my mind, and so I sing, how great are you, God. That made so much more sense to me. It's like you've provided, and it goes on, but the the tie in there, the, the how great are you, God, that's kind of the repetitive part of the original song but this made so much more sense to me and had felt like it had so much more substance because it's like you've laid all these things out and then you've said how great it like you're explaining why god is great well yeah and i think that's what really got me about this initial song is that i don't understand it i know the words i know that the words have a meaning but the words they're disconnected from the claim of the song, which is to talk about why God is great. Like, wh- why have you chosen these and how do they go together and what are they supposed to communicate? You know, go on, go on. I'm jumping in. So then it says, the promises you kept, your spirit I accept, and so I sing, how great are you, God? 
And then you kind of added a chorus here, which I thought was great. How great are you, God? Through creativity and your love, you all things renew and set with you. How great are you, God? How great are you, God? Your love reigns and your kingdom comes so that with you we will be one. How great are you, God? How great are you, God? Your way, your truth, your life we embrace, and so we gain our own truest face. How great are you, God? I thought it was really creative the way you wove in. Like As I read this, I'm like, oh my goodness, these are Greg's like some of Greg's biggest themes. <laughs> yeah, like, they are. <laughs> like You've woven them all in. So the becoming our best selves, I hear in kind of this last portion, and yeah. then this your your love and truth uh, agenda is, yeah. is is woven into here, and so yeah, I say well well done, well, like way to be part of the solution and 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 not to complain about the problem. Thank you. Well, I'm really yeah, it's I'm really glad that the, you said it made sense, and it's sort of like there. I don't know if you. You know this, but but when they were initially made, so way long ago in the, the medieval cathedrals, stained glass windows, um, there are not arbitrary. Stained glass windows uh, were designed to tell important biblical stories to the people who were essentially illiterate. And so there's actually a way to read stained glass windows, and uh, particularly in older churches, and I mean, I'm quite older churches, that they follow... Whatever, no matter what the story is, you, you read them from, I don't know if it's left to right, top to bottom, or how you kind of integrate it. But I heard a lecture on this, and I thought this was fascinating. And I think, you know, I value some of the things that, that Lynette uh, came back with. Um, but, yeah, I, I think particularly for people who are not Christians, um, and for me as a, as a Christian too, I want to understand what this song is saying. You know, I want to be able to either agree or disagree in addition to maybe appreciating the music, uh, appreciating its its cadence and its rhythm and those other things about it. And when I think of the original song, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't claim to be able to write music. I, I don't have a clue about music, but I guess my concern is with a lot of the music that it's not doing what it is putatively claiming to do. So a song about how wonderful God is should communicate to you something about, believe it or not, how wonderful God is. <laughs> and I don't think these things do that for the most part. I mean, there are some of them. You know, I know, um, I'm trying to think of uh, who the author is. Um, Be Thou My Vision. I mean, that's, uh, I'm just going to type that, this one in right now and see if I can come up with some information on that one. Wow. Traditional hymn from Ireland, translated in 1912. Whoa. Published in the 8th century. <laughs> okay. Um, it's that old. That's crazy, yeah. But some of that, some of that is fantastic, you know, and there's, there's a newer version from 1964. But I guess... What seems to me to be really crucial is, you know, it doesn't have to be clear in the sense that, oh, I, I believe this, right? But it has to be clear in the sense that it's doing what it says it's trying to do, right? So if, 
And and I guess this is my big argument, and I, I certainly won't want to take anything away from the person who wrote the uh, How Great Is Our God, to their music, and I'm sure this person, the musicianship is, uh, you know, I, I don't have anything to compare. I don't, I don't offer any musicianship whatsoever. But I guess what strikes me is that seems to be a tremendous amount of confusion and or lack of information when someone's writing a song about how great God is, and, and what they're coming up with, essentially, are things like, you know, the splendor of a king clothed in majesty, let all the world rejoice. Wraps himself in light, darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice. Age to age he stands, and time is in his hand, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, Lion, and the Lamb. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing. And I just think the only thing in there that, that really grabs me about the greatness of God, really, is the Lion and the Lamb piece, which isn't even explained. You know, so you've got this God is king, God is light, God is trinity. Like, trinity, really? Does that grab you for greatness? I mean, does that wake you up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, God is tr- God is three in one. That's so, that's so incredible. That's so amazing. Well, might it be amazing that God has six arms? Like, who is it? Ganesh or whatever in the Hindu pantheon? You know, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just saying that some of these things, when it comes to things that are truly evocative of something that is specific about God— there needs to be not just this whole emphasis on God's characteristics, but on God's character. Because we see God's characteristics laid out in the text, but they're always enfleshed in these stories of, that demonstrate God's character. God is love. And how does that play out? It plays out this way. There you see that, that character coming out, right? And so I think it's fine to say, you know, God is uh, great because the heavens... Uh, the created world, the physical world is so beautiful. Well, that's great, but, but then put that in your music. Put that in your lyrics. So I know what it is. And you're, you're saying that when you look at the mountains and when you look at the, the seas and when you spend time in the forests and when you sit in the meadows, great. That's, 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 you know, there's a lot of really valuable stuff there, but none of that is in this song. It just seems to kind of go all over the place uh, with thoughts that I think for, for, from my perspective, at least, they, they would have no impact on, on me as a non-Christian. And they really have no impact on me as a Christian. So, um, yeah, and maybe, I don't know if this is throwing too much in, but your comment about, you know, wanting to offer solutions. And I think part of the issue is that for Christians, we have become so willing and conditioned to accepting things that I think are often poor, poor, poor standbys. For what we could have, that it's really hard because if you try to present something new, it's like, well, we don't need that. We got this. Yeah, and I want to be clear. I don't know that I want to solution. Maybe solution is too too clear and direct. Mm. I want to provide a perspective that I really believe in and that I really embody and that I really live. Yeah, and I still feel like I'm on kind of the fringes of Christianity, kicking the tires. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that's kind of discouraging because it's like, well. Why am I even doing this? Why don't I just move on? What what keeps me sticking around? And you know, are mm-hmm. people tired of hearing about this? Or are they thinking, John, like, <laughs> make, make a decision? You know, <laughs> and then you know this. Yeah, I think this does tie to the other conversation we want to have eventually, which is you know we're coming up in September. We have done this for three years. You know what what's happened in three years? Are we? Are we going somewhere? Yeah, no, no, that maybe this is too much navel gazing, but you know, it's, <laughs> and, and for me, I was thinking about this on my morning walk. For me, this podcast is kind of funny in the sense that I have no idea where it's going. 
Like we we don't we don't sit down. We don't have a strategic plan. <laughs> Heck, I don't even know what the next next episode is going to be about. <laughs> like, I mean, well, I have actually. It's this topic that we're kind of like veering into now. I would like to go mm. a lot deeper into it, but beyond that, there's no there's no strategic plan. There's no business model. There's mm-hmm. we just started doing this three years ago because. I thought it was really interesting and so did you and we recorded mm-hmm. it and we didn't know what was going to happen to it, but we thought maybe it would be helpful to other people. And, and so, and, and I guess on that note, I did want to give a plug because what is encouraging to me and I think to you as well is when people interact and comment, whether it be uh, joining the mailing list, because then we kind of know like, okay, there's people out there that are interested or, or even joining the Facebook group and joining the discussion there. So mm-hmm. this is just a quick shout out that if you're on the fence or you're like not sure, even if you don't do Facebook, I don't really do Facebook myself, but I do it for the groups. Yeah. It provides kind of a nice, easy way to do a forum without having to host your own forum and do all that kind of stuff. So mm. yeah, quick encouragement that if you want to interact with us a little bit more, the Facebook group is there. You can just join Facebook group and just be in this group. And that's all you do on Facebook. That's totally it's totally okay. So, I don't nice know where pitch. we're going. I don't. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's something I wanted to jump in on. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm eager to go down that road with you. Maybe, maybe you want to dedicate a, a fuller podcast to I it. Think I think Yeah. Okay. Then I won't. But yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. Um, yeah. Well, I I do think you're right, though. That that we want to. On the one hand, like I do see our, our process a lot as as clearing space because the tables, the metaphor of the table, you know, and you come to the table uh, where the discussion is taking place. In this case, we come to the table where understandings about who God is, what Christianity is about, what it means to live the Christian life. Th- this is fairly full, you know, and you've got different perspectives. And, and essentially what most people do is they say, I, I want to sit at this part of the table or I'm comfortable at that part of the table. And I think what 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 I've been trying to do following, you know, and I think we both have some familiarity with this, following the um some of the model that's been laid out and 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 established uh at Swiss Labrie through the nineties, the two thousands and onwards, is to call into question uh on a fairly large scale some of the approaches that are taken, not not this denomination or that denomination, but looking at evangelical or, you know, conservative theology, if you will, on a as a whole. And so um it is it is a tough thing to balance trying to clear space and say, you know what, I think this part of the table is problematic. This is actually a, a difficult ideology that has captured a lot of Christian thinking to the detriment of reading the Bible well understanding ourselves truly and thus relating to God as we should. Or this part over here, this is this is valuable, but it's so confused. It's so tangled. But how do we know when we spent enough time clearing the table and when it's time to put down some new dishes? <laughs> well, you know, all right, so I'm going to go out on the limb here. Um, I don't say things like this very often, but... You, you so, say controversial things all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, but I don't say <laughs> controversial things that I'm, I'm, I feel awkward about this is awkward (laughs) so um yeah i mean in terms of my conversations with god um they happen regularly enough uh but 
they happen particularly regularly when things aren't going well. And I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling upset. And I remember quite recently that I was just every other week at church, I was just thinking, am I doing this group for any, any good reason? Is this, is this a benefit to anyone? Is, is anyone like, there's not a lot of continuity, you know, it's only once a week. If you think about the Labrie model, you had continuity, what you had at least two or three formal meals a week, right? Plus you had a lecture, at least one lecture. That's a fair bit of continuity in a week, right? And you're talking about your Sunday morning discussion group that you've talked about off and on here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I, I had one Sunday morning where I was, I was, I was quite taken aback. I was surprised by something that was said by someone. And, um, you know, I'm always very, I'm always trying to keep them in the game. I'm kind of player coaching, if you will. And I think that might be a bit of a problem on my part anyways. Uh, I might have to let some of that go and realize, yes, some people are just not going to hang on. They're just going to feel threatened or confused or, you know, hopefully it's not confused. Hopefully there's enough clarity, you know, and, and feeling threatened, I wouldn't want that either. But of course, you know, certain people will perceive new ideas or ideas that vary from what they're comfortable with as, as threats. And I can't really change that. But I had this unusual, unexpected experience from an unexpected uh, source. And then I walked right into a uh, worship service where, and I may have asked you this, I may, I may, pardon me, I may have mentioned this before to you, but I, my daughter, my elder daughter was there. And she's very sensitive to some of the, 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 the lyrics as well. And I turned to her and I said, so on your pain scale, zero being no pain and 10 being most, what is this rate? And she just looked at me after this worship service had taken place. She looked, I asked her the question. She looks at me. She just spreads both of her hands wide, 10. And I thought, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was at a nine, but <laughs> so, you know, and I just, I went back and I started talking to God and later that day. And I just said, you know, I, this is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I think you want me here doing some of this. I think this is important to you. You know what? If I'm cracked, if I'm up to lunch, just show me because I'll stop, right? I could do a lot of better things. I mean, you and I used to podcast on a Sunday morning, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, hey, no worries. I'll just go back to podcasting with John. Maybe the Sunday mornings might work for him. Good enough. And and then I, you know, got further irate and I said to God, well, and and this music, like seriously, you expect me to stay and be and go through this and put up with this and and have to like how can i break into this right i'm not i don't want to go up to people and say by the way you know cuz they're putting out their time and they're making their choices but they're doing a service for me even though i don't appreciate their choices so you know what am i going to do here and am i just going to go up and do it myself well i'm not very musical a and b I'm not sure what the heck I would choose because it's not like there's a whole, gee, there's a whole big book of great songs over here, but you guys never choose from it. No, there is no great book. <laughs> like if there is, I don't know about it. So we had a long chat or at least I had a long rant with God and uh, two, one day later, I'm up in the middle of the night and I don't normally wake up in the middle of the night, but when I do, it's for a reason because I've got something going through my head and I had lyrics going through my head. And then I went back to church a week or two later, and I wrote down, I kid you not, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
six complete and my seventh started uh, songs. These are all original compositions. Yes. Whoa. I don't do that. So I'm not, I'm not saying this is a miracle or something, right? I mean, I, I write, <laughs> I write and I'm, I'm, I'm good enough with writing and I've got a sense of what I want to say sometimes. So when you said that this, this song that you wrote was, you could pick me out in the song. I'm sure you could pick me out in these ones too. You know, this was interesting. So it's awkward in the sense that, yeah, I don't know where to kind of place this. Do I think this is God as, listening to me and, 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 and in a sense shooting back at me and saying, yeah, I want you there. Well, I don't know if God's saying he wants me there, but here I, I, I'm not getting the sense I shouldn't be there. And I certainly do have now a whole bunch of stuff, uh, material that talk with my musical elder daughter. Maybe we'll put this to music and maybe we'll go and we'll do, uh, we'll schedule ourselves in for a once a week, once a month uh, worship service. I can't even imagine it, but maybe we will. And... Um, See where we get, and yeah, and, but but I want to just want to say it again because what I liked about it most was it's offering instead of just offering a criticism, which is this is bad. Mm. It's it's saying, well, I think this could be better, and here's something else. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Which is, I hope, what we're doing, and what I'm what I would like us to do more of, which is to say, okay, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Here, we think this is better. What do people think? And keep having the conversation. And someone could come back and say, you know, that second section, it's pretty good. It's pretty okay. But what if we did this to it? I think it would make it even better. And then yeah. what do you know? It could it could even go to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good that's a, that's a really good approach. I, I guess my thought is that so much of Christian belief is so definitive, you know, for evangelicals um, that to, and I, and, the, and I guess the other piece is the way I'm approaching it from a very integrationist perspective is this has to match up with your, with real life. This has to make sense of and be made sense of by your existence as a human being in the world. And I don't think most Christians are accustomed to thinking that way. And I think that probably that's a big piece or big reason as to why maybe, I don't know, from your perspective, would you say three quarters of what we do is pushing back against what's there and one quarter is offering something new? Say that again. I was distracted. I was trying to find a quote that I found the other day. and No worries. Yeah, no, my sense is that um, we do about three quarters pushing back and one quarter offering something to take the place of what we've pushed back. And I believe that's likely, I believe that that's the ratio because on the one hand, Christian belief tends to be very, very entrenched and unexamined, right? So you're trying to say to somebody, hey, there's a better way and they don't even have the ability to evaluate better because they haven't set down taking the time on the one hand to evaluate what they believe and why and on the other hand particularly importantly I guess for the way I'm approaching it is from an integrationist perspective they haven't been willing and they haven't been taught so they don't have the skills it's, it's, a, it's a pretty legitimate problem I think it's not just that people are lazy or stupid I'm not saying that I think that people are 
by and large, we just have to been we have, we have been told that this is not an issue, and so, I think it's completely an issue that life, real life, and and Christian belief need to have a degree of reciprocity in both directions, and that's a hard one to swallow and figure out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's just that we're pushing back against existing ideas. I think it's the very mode of 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 uh, the very stance and posture that that at least I would be advocating is like trying to teach somebody like I, you, I can't teach you how, how to hit a board in a martial art until I've taught you the whole you know the stance and how you move and how you do these other things because they're the strike is based on the stance and the movement and so it's a fairly involved process and that for me I guess that's my perspective on why it's mostly pushback with you know the occasional okay here's what we put in this place Maybe that's not satisfying, though. I don't know. No, I guess what comes to mind, though, is is so maybe so. What I hear you saying maybe is that we're. It's not all bad to be pointing out some of the problems. That could be providing a service of sorts that's actually valuable. Yes, and that part of the process of pointing out the problems is also indicating that there is a different way of seeing that's going to be required if you're going to make sense both of the problems and the solutions, if you're going to be able to see them as such. So if you think that Christian belief has nothing to do with real life or that in every case where there's a relationship or or a point of connection, let's say, between real life and Christian belief, that Christian belief always trumps life, that it always is the... that we should always take our lead from the Bible. We should always take our, our lead from what we believe. Then some of the things I'm proposing don't make any sense. And so I'm trying to encourage a different mindset in addition to saying, hey, you know what? These are problems because they're problems due to the fact that they don't allow us to integrate. They don't allow us to be real human beings living in the real world. And ironically, you know, as we as Christians Certainly as evangelicals, we try to be evangelistic. We promote our belief as a being of value, not simply for ourselves, but for all human beings. If you can't be a real human being, you've lost the race already. You've totally taken yourself out of the game. And so that's, you know, that's some of that, that argument that I put out about, well, okay, maybe some people uh, think that uh, you can... Uh, present uh, the gospel to someone and when they don't receive it that's just because Jesus is a stumbling block versus you know being willing to assess your own approach and your own uh, uh, presentation and say you know I actually I was a bit of a jerk there I I could have been selling I don't know vacuums and the guy would have turfed me out doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm talking about the gospel so I don't know if that's any clearer I think it's a good place to stop now I'm frustrated because I had this quote and it was tied in so perfectly. It was, um, I don't know, I can't even think of it. It was, it, was just, it was this guy's notion that he was he was more comfortable. Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. It was Dan Daly once again. He's inspired. Yeah, okay, here it was. It was a quote from Richard Feynman. I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Huh. Yeah. 
well, to which you, I would wholeheartedly say, yeah, that's totally. Yeah, I would agree too. Well, you know, maybe maybe this is a clearer though. I think it's 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 going to rankle some people. This is a clearer way of saying it. I think because I come from a very dysfunctional family, in dysfunctional environments, you can dysfunctional stuff can happen and it's taken to be normative, but it's really not. And I think that dysfunction, the and I would call dysfunction in a Christian sense, one way to uh, identify dysfunction is that belief and life don't match. They don't connect with each other. You know, not that they're always, you, everything makes sense or we have no need for faith. There's no mystery or there's no disconnect at all. But that people as Christians typically see that everything that they believe, you know, God is great and God is good and, and God's good even right now when I don't understand what's going on and, and uh, things are terrible and um, I'm just going to believe that and that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, well, maybe, or maybe, you know, as a hu- real human being, you're going to need to take a step back and say, okay, maybe I'm getting uh, the wrong information here. Maybe my church is presenting me uh, or I'm being uh, taught uh, a perspective on God that really represents some, some mismatched expectations, some expectations that are just way out of the realm of reality, you know. Um, and I think there's a degree of dysfunction there. And I think part of what I'm trying to do is say, you know what, I think this is dysfunctional uh, in, a, in a corporately spiritual sense um, and in terms of corporate belief and personal belief and to offer um, some better ways of seeing the world, seeing ourselves, seeing God, seeing the relationship between God and ourselves. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a dysfunctional environment, crap makes sense. And I didn't realize that until... I left my family environment and realized, oh my gosh, you know what? That stuff was crap. That stuff was ridiculous. The kind of manipulation and all of these other ways of, of existing. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not making the easy, no, but uh, overly I see the tie-in. I totally you see do? the tie-in. Okay. No, I totally see the tie-in. That yeah, I mean, there were so many things in in my Christian upbringing that could not be questioned or were just assumed to be true. Mm. Hmm. And then I had to do my own work to say, "Oh, hmm, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't add up for me." These other people say it still adds up for them, but that doesn't mean that it has to add up for me, and it doesn't. And so, I'm just going to call it for what it is. Right, and I guess I would probably push your last point there a little further and say, "Well, if they're saying it adds up, can they explain it to me?" Right. Surely they surely they can explain it to me in words that I can understand. I'm a, I'm a pretty you know I'm interested to know. Tell mm-hmm. me. And typically what I find, and we've, you know, we've talked about this in the Facebook group here, that there's a, I've, I put back a, a question that got a little buried in one of the exchanges I was having, I think, with Amy about what does it mean to love God? And this was the other, the other um, um, I think Lynette has responded to, to this one as well. Lynette's been all over the map. I can't keep up with you, Lynette. Um, you know. Um, where we've got this um, idea, she, 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 she wrote and said, you know, can you divorce obedience from love of God? And I think that there's, a, there's just a, a vast confusion about what it means to actually love God and to demonstrate that in how you live as a human being. And, um, you know, so you get things like people saying, oh, obedience is God's love language. And I'm thinking, 
No, love is God's love language. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now you've started another topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one just burns the heck out of me because I, I, it's just so obvious, but we've trained ourselves, you know, in every other part of life, we would say, this doesn't make sense. But for some reason, evangelical Christians have been trained and have trained themselves to ignore the lack of sense and say, this is the way it is. Because it's God, other rules apply. And instead of, so we've created complete distinction on the level of sense and meaning between living in the real world and living with Christian belief. Well, we can't do that. I mean, practically speaking, it doesn't work. The only way we do that is by, you know, it's, it's, this, is, this is why that whole story I mentioned about the guy who wrote that book, uh, The Day Metallica Came to Church, and he's invited to this atheist conference, and he asks them, you know, what is it about Christians, and, and w- w- what do you think the main issues are? And they just kind of look at him and go, man, there are no main issues. You guys are irrelevant. You, you are totally irrelevant. You're not even part of our discussion. We're not preparing arguments against you. You're, you're, just, you're, you're, you're not even in, the, in, in left field. You're out of the ballpark. And I think this is one of the realizations that evangelicals particularly need to make and uh, hopefully need to recover from by regaining some credibility. You know, it's this huge credibility gap. So, yeah, I could go on and on. <laughs> okay, we'll solve that one on the next episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh man I'm so glad to do this with you yeah thank you you have to keep me in the game because I'm and like I said yeah I want to go deeper on this whole feeling like a poser Mm -mm. you know why am I here all that kind of stuff okay okay I'd I'd like to do that too but yeah I I have a very different opinion of you than you do (laughs) (laughs) which is fine which is fine presence and participation so Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.